If you like this podcast, check out Studio Red's amazing lineup of podcasts at StudioRedMedia.com. Welcome to QT with RT. I'm Todd. And I'm Ryan. And today we're talking about our origin story. Ryan. Todd. I wanted to ask you this week on how did you get into wanting to be a director, a filmmaker? What was the magic spark that started it all for you? Yeah. What's my backstory? What's your What's your origin story? What's my origin story? <laughs> Um, well, I was on this field trip and a spider <laughs> that was radioactive. <laughs> um, so, um, I have always been somebody who's just really loved stories. Um, as a kid, uh, growing up, I mean, I always loved movies, always loved TV shows. I was never a big reader. Um, but I mean, if I did read it was i mean i always i always gravitated towards the good stories yeah a lot of them have been turned into movies um but definitely like movies tv shows even video games like i always loved the more uh the games that had more of a story element to them yeah um and so i think uh i've always had just like a i don't know like really like an obsessive love for stories and good stories and so then when like it was never like this like light bulb moment for me where it's just like all of a sudden I was like, Oh, this is what I want to do. You know, I was never like the kid who, um, you know, was like, Oh, I want to be a doctor and I'm 10 years old. And then, yeah. and then 20 years later I'm a doctor and this is what I've always wanted to do. You know, I've never been like that. It was more like little kind of like almost like picking up little pieces of a puzzle over a stretch of like 15 years and then realizing like, Oh, this is what I want to mm-hmm. do. Or maybe over 10 years. And eventually, like, those pieces came together enough to where it's like, oh, I think that kind of looks like me being a director. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I think one of those moments was watching um, uh, Saving Private Ryan. I think I was in either, like, a freshman or, or eighth grade, maybe. Freshman high school, eighth grade. Um, and my parents had uh, – our family room was in the basement, and they um, – for whatever reason, they had like splurged and got like good surround sound. Um, when we moved into that house, uh, Roy actually like came and like hooked it all up and nice. made sure it was like perfect. And you know, <laughs> Roy like went around and listened to every speaker and yeah. made it all like exactly great, you know, perfect and sounding good. And so I remember putting that in. I was the only one watching it for some reason. Turned off all the lights downstairs. It was in the basement. It was at nighttime. So I mean, it was like pitch black, just the TV put on the surround sound and like watching like that movie, like D day and the other battles that happened throughout the movie. It was like a, almost like a religious experience, Yeah, you know? And so I remember like that moment being like, man, I am like so transformed from this movie. And that was like something that like, I think kind of clicked of like, man, I would love to be able to like do this in other people mm. from something that I made. Um, so I, I remember that experience as like an audience and that like still really like sticks to me. Um, and then, and it's still today, like probably that experience is why it's still, when people ask me like, what's my favorite movie? It's it's that one because of that. Um, so then in high school, um, my sister Christy was, is about six years older than me. And I went to her college talent show with her one time. And, um, cause she went to school where my dad worked. So it was like, we were lived on campus and 
for some reason I went. I'm not really sure why she took me. Yeah. Just because she was a nice older sister, I guess. And we went to the senior talent show, and there was these guys that did this, like, half live sketch, half filmed thing. Mm-hmm. Where they kept coming on stage, and then they'd leave, and you'd see, you know, they made it look like they left, and then something was happening, and then they came back, and yeah, and I just thought it was really cool, like what, like oh, what a neat like mixture of stuff, you know, and especially as like the quiet, shy kid, I was like, man, that's like I want to be that more outgoing person, but I'm too afraid and scared to do it. Um, but if I was gonna do it, that's how I would do it, mm-hmm. you know. And then my senior year of high school, um. I was making, uh, I wanted, I basically like always had those guys' idea in my head. And I was like, man, I want to do a version of that at my high school. Mm-hmm. And basically it was like somebody didn't show up either to the talent show or to class or something like that. And they had to go like find the guy. And they went like all over the campus of Brian trying to find them. Um, and then they kept coming back and like looking and seeing. And then eventually he was in the, the aud- like in the, the crowd, the audience. Yeah. Um, and everybody laughed and loved it. And I was like, oh, what a cool idea. So I wanted to do that um, for my senior talent show. And so we did and um, borrowed a camera from the, the like, news group in, in at the school. And one of my English professors or teachers, um, Jeff Farrell, he had, like, a Mac back when, like, Macs still weren't cool. Right. He had, like, Final – I think he had iMovie. <laughs> like, Final Cut wasn't even wow. out yet. And but it was like all when like the big first like colorful IMAX came out, you yeah. Know, and Steve Jobs was back, and the stocks were still like three dollars a share. Ugh. I know. I told my dad back then to buy some, and he didn't. And I regularly remind him that he'd yeah. be retired now if he had. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, so he was he was like the guy that like knew Photoshop, and he was just like a real creative guy, even though he he I mean not that teaching English isn't creative, but I mean he wasn't teaching like video classes or graphic design classes like he was he was an english teacher teaching us you know english you know shakespeare and that kind of stuff and then on his free time then he was he was a single guy and he would photo do photoshop and other random projects and just like have fun with it you know people like us basically um and so i told him what i wanted to do he said he had always wanted to kind of like make a little short film and so then i wrote the script came up with the idea and he really I mean, he was like my co-director, even though he gave me all the credit, like a good teacher does. Because I mean, he pretty much edited it all. He was the <laughs> one, he was the one that was like, "Well, I think you might need something here. I think yeah. you might need something here, you know, or like maybe you should change these lines around to this." Um, and then I started in it. I was one of the guys looking for our friend. We, we called it Finding Fats, and so we we had a, a friend that like everybody's nicknames. We had a a friend who was. Uh, at one point in middle school had been a fat kid and then it gotten really skinny. And so then it, he, he called himself fats and then everybody called him fats as well. Um, we weren't completely being mean. Um, he was being mean to himself and we were joining him in his meanness. Kind of like little John. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the whole thing was finding fats. Um, and he wasn't at class and a teacher that was really strict. If you were late to class, you had to do wall squats outside the hallway. So you'd regularly see this teacher sitting out and doing wall squats. He would do the wall squats with you, but you would regularly see him sitting. So he was like coach on Goldberg. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but he was also an English pre- uh, teacher. He was the senior English teacher. <laughs> so it was like this older white guy that was there doing wall squats with the football players or whoever was late to class, and you'd see like two or three students regularly sitting out there. And for like, 
every minute you were late, you had to yep. do like 10 seconds of wall squats <laughs> or whatever. So anyways, nonetheless, it was his class yeah. that, you know, Fouts was late to or Fats. And, um, uh, and so then we went around. So since I was starring in it, like I said, Jeff Farrell, my teacher, was definitely more of a co-director, especially since... Yeah. I mean, was he, he was, the camera operator? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think we just used the, like, mic on the camera. Okay. Um, yeah, back then, yeah. Uh, but um, I don't think we had, like, a boom pole or anything. But him and then actually a guy that had graduated a few years earlier, like, that was also kind of like, you know, how in high school you kind of pair off with teachers that you like. You know, there's the kids who love the theater teacher, kids who love the coach, or yeah. kids who love the – and so we there was a handful of us that like loved Jeff Farrell and were kind of like his his little posse, you know, yeah. that were always, you know, you know, he was into like programming and coding and we would do that stuff with him. We would make graphic design stuff. You know what? Like we just all kind of like and so anyways, this guy who had graduated was kinda of like that too. And so we filmed it over spring break, I think. We actually got like permission to like come into the school and film when the school was empty. Um but anyways, through that process though, you know, I uh it was just like where I always had that idea of something I wanted to do after seeing it at my sister's, at Brian, at my sister's college. Um, and then getting to actually like write out the concept and say, okay, well, I think they, they can go here and then we could go here. And then we look for them at this place and we make this inside joke. And, you know, we had the underground pool supposedly that we didn't, but everybody joked about it, the underground pool and the, the ticket or the elevator pass that would let you into the elevator that would then take you to the underground pool and, you know, or we had, you know, the girls' bathroom always smelled like smoke because girls would go in there and smoke. So it's like we made fun of that. And we, you know, and I, I had this like, you know, I was like, maybe Fats is at the Fats is at the pool. And the guy that was like with me, like two of us were looking for Fats. And, and John was like, we, we don't have a pool. And I'm like, yeah, we do. It's you, which use the elevator. Like I bought a pass for it when I was a freshman. And John's like, Ryan, those are, that's just what seniors do to like prank the freshmen. And you know, I'm like, no, I have one. It's right here. And he's like, Ryan, I'm like, no, the elevator's right here. And we, like, turn, and, like, the elevator's just there. <laughs> and he's like, where has this been? I'm like, it's been here the whole time, you know, and it's just that kind believe. of. believe. <laughs> yeah, and then we go in it, and we go down, and there's the, el- the pool. and um, So it was just, like, a lot of fun. I mean, it was just kind of this, you know, t- kind of stuff that me and you have made together. Yeah. Um, but I, I've never been somebody who likes getting up in the morning. I still don't like getting up in the morning. Yeah. And, um. I remember on a Saturday morning we had to go shoot the pool scene, which was at the um, um, it was at the hotel in town, and they were like, "Well, we opened the pool at six in the morning on Saturday." They're like, "You're welcome to come film in there, but like, we're not going to close yeah. the pool to everybody else. So if you want it to where nobody's in there, you probably need to film from like six to eight. That's yeah. probably your best bet for like nobody being in the pool." And if, we had some lines of dialogue in the pool, like super echoey. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, the last thing I need is like kids like splashing in the distance. <laughs> You're going to hear them, you know? And so um, I was like, all right, sounds good. So I told everybody like, hey, we got to be there at six in the morning. And I had like four or five people that were like in the scene and then us that were filming. And um, and uh, I woke up at like five in the morning, like so excited. Oh, man. You know, yeah. on a Saturday morning in high school. Yeah. You know, I was like, and... And so it was like that kind of moment tied in with loving stories throughout the years, tied in with like watching Save It Pride and Ryan and like seeing how much it like impacted me. And then even then though, I still, and then we went and showed it to the talent show. Um, and uh, we were um, we were rendering the movie 
like to the like up to the like the last second like it was going to play at the end of the talent show because the per- person in charge of the talent show didn't realize that our movie was 30 minutes long <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> and so they were like they're like yeah you can be in the talent show we'll have you like play you know at some point throughout the show yeah and then i was like and they're like how long is it and i'm like it's 30 minutes and they're like what <laughs> and i was like it's, it's 30 minutes long and they're like wait the talent show's an hour long right? yeah you can't take up half the talent show with your movie. Yeah. And I was like, well, but like, and then I was like, almost in my mind, I was like, so like nobody's going to see this? We've yeah. been working on it like all semester, <laughs> you know, like all spring break we worked on this. Like, yeah. And I was like, what? And so then they're like, well, maybe like we can let you show it after the talent show. And if people want to stick around, then they can stick around. Mm. But at this point, like enough people knew what we were doing. And the thing is like, nobody knew who I was in high school. Yeah. Like I was just like, the guy, like, I would literally be at, like, parties where they'd be like, let's get a picture of all the guys. And then they would, like, forget that I'm, like, standing right over there, uh, you know, on the other corner of the room. And they like, wouldn't even ask you to take a picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're like, I, and I don't think they're being, I don't think people didn't like me. Yeah. It was just that I was, like, invisible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so the fact that, like. Like Peter Parker. Like Peter Parker. <laughs> exactly. It is my origin story. So, um, but somehow, like, enough information got out that. Everybody ended up staying afterwards for the for, to watch our movie. Like nobody left the talent show, um, and there was like hors d'oeuvres or like there was cookies from the cafeteria and like lemonade, you know that like yeah you know, they they provide for everybody after the talent show and um, and it, all that was like delayed for another like thirty forty minutes. Um, but when the talent show started, we still didn't have the movie at the school. It was still rendering at my at at <laughs> Jeff Farrell's house. Because we were, like, editing up to, the, like, the very last second. And, like, me and Jeff are, like, sitting there. I'm like, we got to go. It's the talent show. Yeah. And so the guy who had graduated already, Matt, he, like, stayed at the computer and then, like, brought the file over. Wow. And he got there, like, 10 minutes before the talent show oh, ended. Man. And I was like. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, like, that whole experience, though, of, like, get you know, working really hard on something. You get it done just in the nick of time. Yeah. Um, and then, Do you even have time to test that out? Yeah, and so then, yeah, yeah, the plane for the first time was <laughs> testing it out. And my family is, like, down there, you know, and I'm I'm up in, like, the balcony watching it with Jeff um, and Matt. Uh, and so it was, like, those of us that made it were, like, up in the balcony. And, like, and oh, it, yeah. it wasn't, like, an official balcony. It was, like, the tech balcony, you know, where the spotlight is. Yeah. But we were able to get access to it because of, of being there with the teacher. Um, and so we're like looking down and watching everybody and the movie starts and everybody applauds and they, you know, the frying squirrel uh, yeah. thing comes up and everybody, oh, you know, and, um, and they laugh at the right moments oh, and okay. you know, they love the elevator thing and they love the pool thing. And when I put the gas mask on to go into the girl's bathroom, they think that's hilarious. You know, it's like all the jokes that I've been like thinking, oh, this would be funny. This would be funny. Like they totally work. They land. Yeah. Yeah. They land. And then the whole thing was we go all over the school to try to find them. And then we're like oh my gosh, you know where we've never checked is like the theater, mm. the theater room. We should go check the theater room. And then and then we're like, oh yeah, of course, why not? And so we like run down the hallway, come around a corner, and then we bust through the door. And when we actually bust through the door, we really bust through the door. That's awesome. Um, and so then we walk out on stage and everybody like, like you know, had this like big roar of excitement. Um, and uh, and it's clapping and stuff. And then we're like, have any of you guys seen Fats? Like, We've been looking for him like all day, and then yeah. he's like, "I'm right here, guys!" And he like stands up, and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, and they're like losing their minds. And we're like, "Dude, you are late to class. We gotta go." You yeah, know? yeah, like come on, you know. And so he like comes up on stage, and he was like definitely um, the class clown. So he yeah. like, without even telling them to, like 
he like jumps up on stage and misses yeah and like falls down and like then crawls up and then we run out of the room um and then it uh cuts to the end and the credits of him sitting there doing wall squats oh uh, nice and he's just there forever <laughs> because he's so late that yeah. he has to sit there for forever and ever and ever um so uh and we got a standing ovation and all that kind of stuff and so it's like that experience making it getting excited to make it getting to show it to people um and then loving stories the saving private ryan aspect yeah. but even then i went to school as at barry as a business and history major oh i did not know this yeah and so even then i still wasn't like oh i'm going to go do film right. you know yeah. i i definitely got a lot of the pieces of the puzzle doing that movie but i still wasn't like it was just like a really cool high school experience yeah where like I didn't really have a ton of cool high school experiences. So it was like, oh, that was a really cool way to end high school. But other than that, like, I was just like, whatever. Right. Um, and then when I got to Barry, it was like, well, I still would enjoy making a film. That was fun last time. I should, I should do another one. Um, and I was the class president of my freshman year. And so I was trying to do like a, we're supposed to do a fundraiser. So I was like, we should do a film festival. And there wasn't a film festival at Barry. And so I was like, we should do like a student film festival. And to make sure that we had films to show at the Student Film Festival, then I went and made a film. And then I was like, well, we haven't gotten a lot of submissions. So I went and made another film. And then at that point, after doing two films my freshman year, I was like, I love doing this. Yeah. This is what I need to do. Yeah. And so then that's when I switched over to to being a comm major. And pretty much at that point, then I was like, if I'm going to do it, I want to direct. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, And I think for me, it's as I've progressed out of school and I've done a lot of stuff that doesn't involve directing from being, you know, doing more stuff in the camera department or editing or producing. Um, I think uh, a lot of people are always like, oh, I want to direct. Everybody wants to direct. I mean, it's like a joke almost, you know, like, well, currently I'm just a PA, but one day I want to direct. Currently I'm a sound mixer, but one day I want to direct. I'm an actor, but I want to direct. Yeah, yeah, it's like everybody wants to be the director. Um, and I feel like a lot of people don't really know what it actually even means to be a director, and they think – a lot of their issues with filmmaking would be solved if they were the director, which is not the case. Right. Like, if you think you have problems now with collaboration, go be the director. <laughs> you know, you have to collaborate with everybody. Yeah. You know, and you literally have the job where everybody wants to do your job differently and better, thinks yeah. they can do it better than you do. Yeah. Um, but um, I think at the end of the day, I still really enjoy directing more than all the other stuff because I actually really enjoy bringing all that together. Yeah, your vision. And, yeah, yeah. And, and not even so much. I mean, I do enjoy the, my vision part of it, but, like, as a DP, you actually really have more control over your vision sometimes mm-hmm. than, than the director does. Like, you can like you can really say, like, I want it to look this way and be this kind of shot and have this sort of feel to it. You can, like, you get more of an imprint almost to a certain degree on, like, yeah. the movie. As far as, like, what your role is in the movie you can get closer to making that like a hundred percent of what you originally wanted yeah um art department is another area where it's like when you design the set to a certain degree people kind of let you just do your thing as long as you're good yeah and so you could really make it exactly the way you want it. you want that prop or that set dressing you can do it because half the time everybody else doesn't care yeah where the director Everybody cares. Yeah. You know, the DP has an opinion on how they want to shoot it. The art director has an opinion on how they want to dress it. The actors have an opinion on how they want to read the lines. You know, so it's like what you originally visioned a lot of times does not yeah. actually happen. 
Um, controlling the evolution. Of yeah, the but I but yeah, I think to me, I just I actually like really enjoy working with like all the department heads. Yeah, and kind of like bringing it all together, um, and kind of like, and maybe it's the the includer part of me, but like including all these different people and kind of like saying, okay, as a group, how are we going to go make this thing together? Yeah. That is actually really fun, um, and I do enjoy. They used it used to intimidate me. But I actually do enjoy working with actors um, and, like, better understanding, like, their role mm-hmm. in the production. Um, and I also like um, Rachel, uh, who might be one of our 25 subscribers. She said she <laughs> listens. Uh, but one time Rachel said, you know, that, like, the director, somebody, somebody that she had listened to or somebody that she had read said that, like, the director is the first audience mm-hmm. member of the movie. Um, and that like the job of the director is almost to be like the voice of the audience. And I enjoy that part too, to where like, is this, everybody else is busy doing their little like parts, but part of the director's job is like step back, step back and be like, is this interesting? Yeah. Is this engaging? Is this working? Yeah. You know, is the audience as like the very first person to watch this as an audience member? Am I entertained? Yeah. Would I rate this well? So I also really like that part. Um, and I like the like starting with the initial concept idea. So like as a screenwriter, director, or writer director kind of combo, like to be able to have that like initial like this is what the movie's about. Yeah, I think that part is also kind of nice. The theme, you know, the um, the kind of the dramatic dramatic question or dramatic thesis kind of of the film, and like making sure that that like carries all the way through. Um, and getting to also like see the process from the very beginning to the very end is also a fun thing to like that initial idea to then like working with the editor on like color grading. Yeah. You know, all the way to that, you know, it's pretty cool that most of the time all the other departments, you don't get to like see the project all the way through from beginning to end. And I really enjoy that part. So yeah, that's kind of, I would say like pretty much once I did that in college, at that point I knew that's what I wanted to do was direct and pretty much since I've been out of college, I kind of have always wanted to do it. You know, there's been times where I um, pursued other things or thought maybe I'd be more of a DP and just direct as a hobby or I'd go run a nonprofit, but I still wanted to make a movie one day. You know, it's like, but it's always been like something that I've wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and and I kind of took a random route to sort of get to directing. But now that that's what I'm doing, I'm very glad that like that's, that, that that like kind of the passion for it like never allowed me to just push it to the side you know that like it kept it kept coming back yeah to where I was like no I still really want to do this no it's or I'd you know I wouldn't direct anything and then I'd go direct a short film and I'd be like oh I love this this yeah. is so much fun yeah you know and I was try, trying to get more of that kind of opportunity just because of like that one experience again yeah 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 so what about you um yeah I I kind of I, I think it's, the, as you were talking about it, just funny how it is. I'm trying to think of the first movie I ever saw. I, I vividly remember one of the first movies I saw in theaters, and it was Cool Runnings. Uh, <laughs> I just really It's remember. a very random movie. Though. Yeah, it's a very random movie. But, but uh, they, way better than Days of Thunder. Yeah. Which was my <laughs> first movie. <laughs> A little more family friendly, uh, <laughs> but yeah, th- I, I remember that. And then, um, just th- funny enough, it's it's seeing the movies that I saw with like my brother uh, Mike, 
who is uh, my second oldest brother, and he would take us. I don't know. There's just something cool about going with the brother who can drive. You know, uh, the sibling that can drive, and um, you're not going with parents. You're not. You're treated almost equally, kind of, and um, going to see that and seeing also seeing like Phantom Menace, like <laughs> Star Wars Phantom Menace, and being. I think that was one of the first movies I was like super hyped to see. And then seeing it in theaters and, like, <laughs> looking back on it now, I think Michael was really disappointed. But, like, I was like, that was the best movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, I just remember, like, being in the driveway and just being so excited and him being like, oh, cool, good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt about Bumblebee. <laughs> Going and seeing it with my nephew, Jonathan, yeah. he was like, man, that movie was amazing. And I was like, was it though? And then it was like, in that moment, yeah. I was like, do I just like crush his fandom for this by bringing out all the principles of filmmaking yeah. and storytelling yeah. that that movie just completely messed up? Yeah. Or do I just stay quiet <laughs> and just let him have moment. this moment? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I'm going to let him have the moment. That happened this past week at a wedding. So I was talking about saying how I used to do stand-up comedy and this lady was like, have you heard of the comedian Pete Holmes? And if you know Pete Holmes, like, or uh, Pete, Pete Davidson, not Pete Holmes, oh, Pete, Pete Davidson. Davidson. And he's from SNL. From right? SNL. And I'm like, and I just want to be like, he's not a comedian. He's not funny, like, at all. But I was like, oh, yeah. I, I think he may be more cute. <laughs> maybe that's why you like him, or I don't know. Or maybe you have a really big drug but, addiction problem. But, <laughs> her thing, well, him. he's sober now. Um, but like her thing was like, I love it when he's like, what are you expecting? I'm like, that's not a good pun. <laughs> it's not good if your comedian's like, what are you expecting? I'm not funny. Like, that's not good. I don't yeah. think that's good. But anyways, um, yeah. So you went and saw Phantom Minutes. So went and saw Phantom Minutes, and then um, – my family got a cam recorder. Um, I can't remember when, but we were pretty young. And just getting that cam recorder and just recording little movies with, we had like G.I. Joe's. And I remember getting like blood capsules and using um, G.I. Joe's. And like, um, the funny thing is, we tried to do like stop motion, but the camera, how it worked is it had like a delay every time you stopped it. <laughs> so it'd be like. <laughs> It'd be like stop motion, but like with like a like a five second delay. <laughs> so it'd be like the worst stop motion in the world, and uh, just, it was slow motion stop motion. Yeah, it was really bad, and and the sound of like our humidifier in the basin. <laughs> oh no! And uh, just doing that, and then um, my friend Eric, the Wilcoxes, you know them. Um, he Evan, you better be listening. That's right. We're talking, Evan, about, we're listening. talking about your brother. We're talking about your family. And Evan was involved. And we would make. Oh, no. Let's not talk about Evan. <laughs> we would make videos. And they had a cam recorder. And then Eric taught me how to edit. So I was like obsessed with like making videos. I was like, this is like the most fun thing. And then ever. Eric is like, I'm going to teach you how to edit this yeah. because you're shooting way too many. That literally was how it was. He was like, I'm okay with shooting it. I just don't want to edit anymore. <laughs> So I was like, okay. So he taught me how to edit. And then I would get edit. And then Eric was great because he would be like, we'd make something. And then he'd be like, the edit was pretty good. You're getting better. You know, and yeah. he would encourage me to kind of just continue yeah. at my craft. And um, 
obviously, once I moved down here. And then Evan would walk in and be like, that's crap. That's <laughs> terrible. Well, Eric He kind would just of... delete the file. <laughs> start over. Turns the computer off and throws out the window. You don't oh, were you that. working on something? Because uh, I couldn't tell. Oh, I thought this was garbage. It's garbage day. Uh, <laughs> that's where this belongs. So... Yeah, and we would just – I remember Kyle at one point, my brother Kyle, he uh, said, wouldn't it be great if we got paid to do this? And Kyle, I know you're listening. I mean, it's not too late. It's not too late. <laughs> yeah, it might be too late. It might be a little too late. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I wanted to do it. I wanted to go into stand-up comedy, but then I realized I didn't like being in front of people, but I still want to make people laugh. So I made YouTube videos, did that for a while. Yep. But, like – you know, I remember with one of my big paychecks I saved up, I got a computer, I got like a camera, I got, you know, sound equipment, got I just was like spending all my money when I was living at home on like camera gear. Yep. And you started I, doing those vlogs, right? Time Todd time or something like that. Time Q, with uh Q and A with Todd? Yeah, Q and A with Yeah. Todd. So And you did a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean you were posting like one a week, I remember. Yeah, I think I had like Because we were Facebook friends at that point. Yeah. I had like over a hundred of them or something like that, which I just, I never quite, if I, I wonder if I kept doing it, if I would have eventually broken yeah. into it. Cause it was when YouTube was like very beginning. Fresh. Yeah. Yeah. You were doing it even before Freddie W was doing oh, it. Oh, so. I was doing it way before. Yeah. Vlogs really, and some people at vlogs had taken yeah. off, but the, the YouTube that we know of now is so many vloggers that yeah. really hadn't taken off yet. Yeah. Uh, not at all. And so, uh, yeah, I was doing that and then I wanted to move down here make movies with you and and we had done stuff at summit together yeah yeah and that was where we connected was yeah. we kind of got in the car together and we we're like ideas let's do this yeah and we just like pretty much the whole trip just like talked other than when i fell asleep but yeah. <laughs> we talked about like video ideas and filming them and shooting them and when yeah. we got liberty we did that like the whole time yeah when i got sick that one week from the food poisoning at liberty just like the political spew, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> just go on a rant for the next twenty minutes. Uh, but yeah, so I I've always I think with anything in life, it's really interesting when you anyone. There's different layers. I think everyone likes to to go in there and film. And we did a uh, a film called Only Real Men Can Grow Mustaches and. We did it from, like, we all met at, like, 9 a.m. And we filmed until, like, 9 that night. Like, all day. And <laughs> you could tell the people who wanted to do it were for real. And the people who were, like, I did not realize it was going to take this long. Because we literally had crew, like, people who were in the movie, who were actors, who were begging to be in this movie. They left halfway through shooting. Like, they were just, like, I'm done. And they just left. And I had to, we had to, like... Redo the script. Yeah, like it was just. I mean, we had an outline. We never really did a script, yeah. and so uh, with our comedies, we would just do kind of some fun little improv stuff, and uh, that was it. Was like, oh, okay, well, this character is dead. Yeah, <laughs> like we just have to figure a way to to get rid of this yeah. character, and yeah. so I just remember being really upset by that, and being like, man, like you gotta commit to this, and 
definitely if they realized what a real film shoot is like. <laughs> yeah, they would have. Yeah, it's like, oh, 12 hours is like a good day. Yeah. <laughs> you can get done with your whole yes, shoot. Yes, as we look at shooting a short next week yeah. where it's going to be 12-hour days in the sun. Yeah. Outside. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, my yeah. gosh. But, um, yeah, and then I've enjoyed doing our stuff like yeah. uh, when we did the – I love Jill. That was a lot of fun doing that that day. Or uh, even looking back, like the AT, as hard as it was, like being able to say that we have a documentary yeah. is great. And I don't know. It's it's definitely um, the first level is of filmmaking is the like just grabbing your camera, going out, having fun. Yeah. That's like the first level. Yeah. Everyone, there, there's going to be people who are interested in that. Second level is writing a script, doing it right, kind of. Yeah, still going out and having fun, but still being a little bit more serious. Yeah. And then, like, the third level is, like. Independent filmmaking. Independent film, exactly. Like, oh, now we have to think about budget. Now we have to think about feeding people. We have to think about all these other things. And it's like, oh, okay. And it's more than one day. Yeah. Um, And it, it gets tough. Like, I think this thing is, the reality is, if you want to do something that you're passionate about, you got to put the work in. And when we started working here, I think that was really hard for us because we were trying to pay the bills. And at the end of the day, after working, filming something for a client, it was like, do we want to go film Yeah, something ourselves? Yeah, because yeah, we still have 10-hour days. Yeah. Uh, here and a lot of times that's just the crew that's freelance. The crew that works here shows up an hour before and has to clean up and do other stuff after they leave. So yeah. we have twelve-hour days here, and after you do that for three days in a row, you don't really feel like then coming in and doing it again yeah. Thursday, Friday. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, even on our weekends, have become so holy, you know, of just like yeah. resting and recovering, and um, life tends to keep moving, and we are trying to catch up and. Um, but the most fun I think I have ever had is definitely when we write together. Yeah. Like that to me is, I think that's where like the writing side of me is like, oh, this is, this is what I, you know, the rush that you get from like directing. I used to want to be a director, but I think the older I get, the more I realize like how much I love to like create the story in like a safe place Yeah, and then kind of let let it live somewhere else yeah um i love love the like the way things look i mean that you know when i watch a movie i'm like oh it's really interesting how they color corrected that or you know like universal movies always look great they always they have like such a crisp clean look it's amazing the colors pop I I don't know, I just I love that look and then You're talking um, about like Universal Studios Universal? Yeah, like Universal movies. If you ever watch their like color correction, yeah. it's always like far superior than everyone oh. else, I think. Um and then uh but I also like the way things are shot. So like um uh does all of the Yeah. Yeah, you know. Um <laughs> No, you just I like You it. did uh Skyfall and everything. What's his name? Uh, DP Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins. Yeah. I remember just seeing his movies and just being blown away that yeah. like he created that, and yeah, yeah so, so many cinematographers yeah. are cinematographers because of him. Yeah, and so there's there's a lot of the different little elements that I, like really love and I'm really passionate about, and um, but also like appreciate the 
different way people do. I don't know. Like, I, I have a genuine love for, like, filmmaking. But I think my passion is, like, more the writing side of yeah. things. And um, I think that's why, like, when we're going to be on the shoot, I'll be the AC because – camera like i i know those that side of things i know yeah angles i know like the the way to shoot i know how to work with a dp and stuff like that and so it's just interesting finding yourself as you're working and, and getting into this when originally it started out i i think that was for me with growing up with making all these different movies i made like a serious movie made some funny movies and um I just love coming up with the concepts and the stories yeah. and then seeing that come to fruition. Um, and it, it made the filming days were bearable because like you could do it with friends yeah. and right. And it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. Fun. I mean, even if it's a 12 hour day, if you enjoy it, yeah. you're still like goofing around having fun. Yeah. Once you actually get to that bigger where you're actually spending money and everybody's there and it's crew, it's, it's still fun in its own way, but yeah. there's definitely some jobs that if you're not really into it, it's not fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we've had some horror stories. Yeah. And I think the difference between, like, working together collectively and everyone's having fun, you know everyone, and then going on a shoot and the producers are named Jupiter and you're like, what's happening here? You know, or the writer, I can't remember. but And yeah. it's just like no one's having a good time. Yeah. Well, and even, like, if, I mean, once you get to the point where you're, you know, um, have grips and gaffers on the set, you know, which those are the guys that deal with the lights and they set up all the all the stuff that goes around the lights to make the light look pretty just yeah. so it's not this big, huge, like, spotlight basically just blasting people with the light. Like, if you're not really into that, you're not really going to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you're not even, like, even to a certain degree, a certain type of body. Yeah. You like, you know, like you kind of have to just be more of a stockier person yeah. to haul that gear around. And yeah. I mean, it's heavy, it's sweaty, it's, it's very hot. Almost blue collar work, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, it's very more of a, of a craftsman type kind of job. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're not into that kind of thing, then you're not going to enjoy it. I mean, there's people that love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Evan being one of them that like Evan was great. He, he loved being, hauling that stuff around and putting it up and helping shaped it. And yeah, I mean, there's people who can get really into being a key grip and getting the chance to make the lights look pretty, but that's completely different than just like yeah. going down and your, you know, student films or making films with your buddies, you know, where everybody like, you're not worried about lighting and you're yeah. not bringing in grip gear. And, yeah. you know, it's like that filmmaking looks completely different to where potentially what you love more of the creative process. Well, there's no, the creative process is very different yeah. as a key grip than it is from the screenwriter. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I think, I think that makes a lot of sense what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, now that we know our origins, what is it that, and, and we kind of understand, I guess, in a Are way. Are we about ready to design our super suits? <laughs> so what's about ready to happen? That's about, Maybe. Now that we've seen the origin yeah. story, we're about ready to do yeah. a montage it sequence. Is now we have to. We are in the second act. Yeah, I'm gonna sketch out my my <laughs> outfit and crumple it up and throw it away. And and I should sketch be like, Dude, you one. should be a cartoonist. Like you're really good. <laughs> That's just some really good sketches. <laughs> That's really good. That's the craziest thing is that Peter Parker could have totally been a cartoonist. Yeah, he's so good in that movie. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Should have brought that up to Lewis. I I did. And, oh, I was like, his sketching is really really good. Like he could have. I mean, it's incredible. He could so. have been the cartoonist for the newspaper yeah. instead of going around taking photos. 
Yeah. That would have been so much he easier. Wants those, he wants those sweet, sweet photos of <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> but um, so as we get ready to go into this film, um, what is – You're good. Yeah. <laughs> what is something – what would be the next thing if we're like, all right, we have a weekend free. Let's just film something really quick. Of the things we've created, what what would you want to do? Yeah, I mean, and so I think, you know, the long answer to that, which it's a podcast, so yeah. every answer is the long answer. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, 25 oh. subscribers. <laughs> Get ready. Buckle up for a long answer from Ryan. Oh, yeah. Um, I've thought a lot about exactly what you were talking about, like the joy, like it, like I was describing making that film in high school, like the joy of just like going and making something like that with a small group of people and having an audience of 200 people love it. Yeah. You know, and like that just whole experience was like so awesome. Yeah. Like I never, I never had a bad day on set. I enjoyed every bit of it. Yeah. You know, um, audience afterwards liked it. You know, it was just like just a full, complete great yeah. experience um and then you go and you start trying to make other stuff and to a certain degree like the more bigger you make stuff sometimes the more challenging it is to yeah. still have that like enjoyable experience yeah, absolutely um you know you start involving money and all of a sudden it's stressful you start involving more crew members and now you have the more relational dynamics that you have to deal with you know you start getting other people who have their own niche for the thing that they care about, and now you have to deal with like their egos and what they want out of the movie that has nothing to do with what you want out of the movie, you know. And so it's like, and then you know, even as you get a bigger film and you try to get, it's harder to find an audience that's gonna give you the kind of reward for all the work you put into it. I mean, filmmaking quickly becomes something where it's like what you're sacrificing and what you're having to put into it, oftentimes doesn't actually like pay you back. Yeah, equal to what you put in. Yeah. Uh, not just like financially, but like just like the time. And it's like, wow, I could have spent all that time doing other things yeah. with my life that would have been more rewarding than doing this. Um, and and if like you just want to make movies and that's it, then I think that's fine. But I, I think it's always worth kind of stepping back a little bit and being like, is what kind of like our expectations thing that we had talked about two podcasts ago? Like, is this what I thought it was? Is what I thought this would be is not what it is. Yeah. Now knowing what it is, is it still like good enough for like what I'm having to sacrifice to put into it? Yeah. You know, is it still worth working twelve hour days on Saturdays instead of going and being home with your family? Yeah. Um so that's something that I think about a lot to answer your question. The long answer is like what stuff now would still be in that realm where it's like it's still higher production quality and maybe a little bit more than an outline, um, and just filming it with a bunch of random friends that aren't in filmmaking. But maybe it's not so big that it's not that it becomes something that um, just takes so much out of you that you're like it's not something you would just go do on a weekend. Yeah, you know, um, and that's where I feel like some of the kind of like sketch stuff. Yeah, you know, almost like the Key and Peel. I mean, everybody loves Key and Peel. Yeah, and you watch their sketches and like they're they're well done, but they're also like pretty simple. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of times they're like one location. Um, they still have like good wardrobe, good art department. Um, they have some background extras, you know, like they still have stuff, but it's like a little five minute sketch, AKA short film, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And it's still funny, still making people laugh. Just like you were talking about, just like what I was talking about. I think both of us love making people laugh. 
So I, you know, I've kind of thought through that different times. Um, have you? You still haven't watched the? Uh, I think you should leave. I don't think so. On, on Netflix, that's the, no. the show I was yeah. telling you about. Allie and I were watching some some of it last night because it it really is one of the shows you just go back and just like rewatch over and yeah. over. And like I still am like in tears, crying, laughing. And they had this one. So the show is really interesting because it's essentially uh, anxiety based humor. So it's like all social anxiety. So everything that like um, you enter. So that one one episode is it's like a friend's birthday party and it's shot in a house and the lighting's not really good it's they probably just use the regular lighting and then maybe like a a soft light over yeah okay that's it yeah and um everyone's giving this guy a gift and one guy he said this this is my gift and it's just a, like a reef and he said the guy at the store said he had the same reef and it worked really well and, and he's like and i i have the receipt in there if you don't like it and the guy's like oh okay okay and so then they get ready to go on to the next guest, and the guy goes, um, well, if you like it, then give me the receipt back. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and the guy's like, no, no, it's okay. I'm like, well, I mean, if you really liked it, you wouldn't return it, so give me a receipt. And so it's all based off of this insecurity of, like, my gift's not enough. Yeah. So it goes from there to oftentimes with our anxiety, it's never, like, everything we fear is, is a lie and it's false. Yeah. But the overarching theme of this whole skit is that this guy's base insecurity is correct because it goes off the rails. It goes from like, <laughs> goes from him getting the receipt back to him being like, "Well, if you're really serious, I'm gonna eat the receipt." And so he eats the receipt, and then he's like, "Ah, oh, my stomach!" And he's like, "I think you didn't wash your hands. I think you have poop on it. Like you have." He calls him mud pie. He's like, "You got mud pie in your hand." And like he's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "I mean, I've eaten paper before." And then it goes to like everyone at the party being like, "Yeah, like." I'm going to eat this piece of paper just to prove if I don't get sick from this other piece of paper, then that proves that you had mud pie on your hands. <laughs> and so it's like... It just spirals it, out it of control. It spirals out of control. Eventually, like, the guy does... <laughs> it's proved, like, the lady eats it. She's like, I'm feeling fine. You have mud pie. Everyone hates this guy. The guy who originally ate the piece of paper is like, no one likes you. Like... <laughs> Goes from this guy's birthday party to like everyone hates him. Like he, everyone's like he's banned, and and the guy ends up like dead in his car <laughs> like at the end of it. So it's just like completely insane humor. Yeah, yeah. But at the base core of it, shot really simply. Yeah. It's just a funny premise. It's this idea of like, what if my anxiety was true? Yeah. And let's take that to the extreme. Yeah. It's the simplest concept. Yeah. But so funny. It's so well like yep. acted and just smart. Yep. And so yeah, doing that easily do it in a couple hours. Yeah. 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 And even if it was a twelve hour day, it's still easier yeah. than um going and making a feature film. Yeah. Um so yeah, that, that's the kind of stuff that I I've looked at of you know, and I'd still would want to make feature films and if I you know, had a chance to make a TV show or other stuff, I mean I would do all that. But when I think about like the stuff where I'm like, man, that that would just be fun, yeah, and like almost not feel like a job, you know, almost like getting up again at five in the morning because yeah. I'm so excited to film at the pool that day, yeah, you know, um, you know, most of our shoots, I'm not waking up early because I'm so excited. I I enjoy what I do and I have a good time, um, but it definitely still... it becomes like an assembly line after a while. Yeah, it's still yeah. A, it's still a job. Yeah, um, and I do miss those days where filmmaking 
was just this like pure joy. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I've always, and to a certain degree, it's, I think you could probably have that with everything, right? Yeah. To a certain degree, you know, like it's almost that like honeymoon period of dating, you know, and then when you're 10 years married, you're still trying to like almost get back to like when everything was just like blissful and happy and, yeah. you know, and, and um, you're always kind of chasing that original hit of the drug. Yeah. You know, um, but, uh, but still, I think I'm like, what could I do now with the experience I have with doing some other stuff, kind of to a certain degree, sort of being able to check off some boxes that I've always wanted to be able to say I did and I've done them. So do I need to do them again just to say I did them again? Yeah. You know, no, not really. Let's, what do I really enjoy doing? Yeah. Um, what was like my original passion? What did I love about that filmmaking in high school or even that filmmaking in college? And it's like, well, it was, it was working with friends where like we all liked each other and we all enjoyed spending time together. It was people all wanting to do something creative and interesting and different. And like people all being like kind of like have a singular vision of like, not so much that like the the specific thing that you're making is a singular vision, but like a singular vision of like, oh, we want to make people laugh. Yeah. Or we want to make people cry. We want to make a cool action thing. Like whatever it was, we all like agreed on what we were trying to do. Um, and then to a certain degree, not getting so hung up on the technical part of it that it takes away the joy of the create the creativity. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's like the ingredients of like what made that earlier stuff so much fun. Yeah. And it was then also like we were making something that I knew the audience I was a part of, like, wanted to see. Yeah. You know, in yeah. college, I would make stuff that, like, that people at Barry would find funny. Yeah. Where in high school, I made something. I made fun. I did a bunch of inside jokes about the school that the high school in a different town would never have gotten. Yeah. Because they didn't go to that school. So I think that was the other part, too, is, like, making something for an audience that you know that, like, when you give it to them, they're going to be like, oh, thank you for making this. Yeah. Because this this is great. Yeah. Thank you for making this for yeah. us. Yeah. And I, I I mean, the videos we made for Summit and just yeah. like how much people enjoyed that. And we used to do that for our youth group we, uh, when we were back in Illinois a couple weekends back. Um, we had a party and we all watched our old like youth group video. We did like a cop style for like students who weren't at, at youth, group. youth group. And we would go like arrest them. And it's a horrible like – like looking back on it, I'd be like, wow, like a That's very someone. bad theology. Yeah, it's but, very bad theology, but it was very funny. Yeah, and everyone loved it. Right, right. It, yeah. And obviously, nobody in youth group right. took you guys seriously. Right. That was the whole point. Yeah. You're making fun of it. And it was well done. I mean, it looked, looked good. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, totally. So I feel like that's the stuff that, um, you know, I, I think there is a limit to what those kind of stories can do. To a certain degree, I mean, I, I still feel like that's the case. You know, yeah. you don't maybe have the Saving Private Ryan experience of sitting in, you know, with the lights off, surround sound, just being like moved by that movie in short sketches. But at the same hand, Key and Peel have hit on a ton of yeah. very serious topics yeah. in a in a lighthearted way that makes people laugh and then go, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wait a second, you know? Yeah, I you think know? so. I think it's the like, best comedies like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like. You know, you can still have a big impact on the world yeah. through comedy yeah. and humor and, you know, and lowering people's guards by having them laugh and then hitting them with a truth yeah. or a question about society and being like, hey, this is funny because it's true. Yeah. Are we all okay with that? <laughs> and like leaving it with the audience to decide yeah. how they feel about that. And then it's like, ooh, that's, you know, that's not, that still accomplishes some of my goals of creating that Saving Private Ryan experience. It's yeah. just, 
instead of being moved by all these people dying around in the movie and around me in surround yeah. sound and realizing that that's like based on a real thing and people really did do that for me, you know, this would be instead of that more drama action version of it, it would be the more comedy. Yeah. You know, introspective. Yeah. 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 Commentary. Yeah. Well, so what about you? Let's make it. Um, I actually just had a great idea. So there's this one of my favorite books. I, uh, listen i listened to because i remember driving this was back when i was seeing Allie, and um it is the name of the book let me see if i can find that um the humans a novel and uh it's a it's a story about this alien who comes and like takes over the body of a human who essentially like finds out uh i think he finds out how to like go light speed intergalactic like travel and so the aliens kind of, like, they take over his body to kind of be, like, shut down any, like, information or anything like that. So they yeah. inhabit the body because of Because they guy. know us humans. Know us humans. We'll infest things. But it's a very, like, funny, like, yeah. it's a comedy because he, like, shows up. He's, like, butt naked. He's walking around. And, like, the cards are, like, and he's, it's all from his, like, point of view, you know? He's, yeah. like, the humans are very odd. Like, everyone kept yelling at me. When I was in my natural form, you know, yeah. like he was like, I just don't understand. So yeah. I have to, I guess, get this outer clothing, and, you know, yeah, and yeah. he gets clothes and eventually the whole book is that he learned what like to truly be human and okay. like learns that like humanity is like at its core, like a wonderful thing. And um, I was just thinking, I was like, man, that'd be really cool to do kind of a, a really cool, like short fan film. Because there is a scene in that where he goes and he listens to Claire de Lune for the first time. And he says, uh, never in his life has he heard the universe before. And he's like, this is, and he's like in this living room and it plays. And he, he's just like, my my soul was captured in this moment. That yeah. I heard the stars and everything. And I, that scene alone, I was like, man, I just love to film it. Like kind of film it almost like a, uh, uh, Denise Villanova, you know, kind of like the the haunting, like slow push in as he's listening to the music and just kind of that moment, and you hear a little bit of the his voiceover. the The whole movie would be a voiceover kind of noir style, um, and just be a really short little film. Like, kind of have your premise of setup. I don't know. You could make it happen. Yeah. Be very simple living yep. room or two. Like, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah. I just think that would be fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At this point, um, when you were saying, if your origin story was originally you were wanting to be a director, and now you're more thinking as a writer. Yeah. Have you done more to? Is that still the case? And have you done more to try to to write? Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I started a book where I. It's more of like a novel. Yeah. And that's a big one. Um, because I've never done that writing yeah. style. Yeah. But those are my favorite books. Our novels. So yeah. Kind of the the talking style, and so the story is. And this is mine. So anyone listening to you, I own this. Don't LaBarge. steal it. Don't Evan. steal it, Evan Wilcox or TB Labarge, whoever that guy is. Ugh, he's the worst. But it's about this man who his kind of superpower is that he has like the power of empathy. Like he can feel everything. He yeah. knows how to interact. That's like his way of interacting. And one day he loses it all. 
And so, like, it's almost emotionally going blind. Yeah. And so he doesn't know how to interact with people. He doesn't know. And it's this identity crisis. And so the book, the overarching theme of the book is, like, the importance of being kind, the importance of knowing our emotions and learning how to do it when we don't know other people, what they're going through. Yeah. And kind of learning through that. And so I've I've written, I think, like... 200 chapters. <laughs> yeah, it's about... Yeah, it's about four series by now. <laughs> now, I've only done like the first couple pages, but I, I really like the But they idea. are gold. Gold. I mean, I give that to a publisher today. I'm bestseller. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, no, I just think that's a really kind of fun idea. And Yeah, uh, that is a cool idea. Yeah. So, and, and good for the times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I, I see where that goes. And I mean, that could also be a fun little short film. Yeah. Like movie or something yeah, like I mean, nowadays, um, movies books and other intellectual property being turned into movies is it's like feels like half the stuff out there is like yeah. that you know yeah. um so yeah. yeah so that's that's kind of where i'm i'm going is yeah it's very easy i think once again being a writer you don't need to get friends together you yeah. don't need to <laughs> yeah. wake up at 5 a.m yeah you could do it whenever and do that's you, the biggest thing is actually doing it so. yeah do you still find when you're actually writing that it's it is that fun creative creation that you had when you were when you were um you know in high school making stuff with your friends yeah. or or it, is it not as much because you don't have that community around you when you're doing yeah it? no i i if it's like a, a story and it's just coming to me really easily and i'm just knocking it out and writing and writing and writing yeah it's it's like euphoria you know you're just like oh my gosh <laughs> like yeah. you just your eyes are in the back of your head as you're just <laughs> typing um but it's also really tough be- when when you have nothing and yeah you just, that writer's block is absolutely real and yeah. it, it would be like hitting that point in the day where you're like i'm tired i don't want to be here i'm going home and it's easier to walk away yeah, you know it's just you but yeah when it when you have a team together you have people who all have the same vision that yeah. you had at the beginning and they can be like, all right, well, let's do this. Especially with like having fun, like doing comedy or something, yeah. you can just kind of play around, yeah, you know, ad lib and just just yeah. improv, right? And you can't do that when you're writing, really, because yeah. you're. I mean, I guess you could just type out words and then edit it later, which is <laughs> right. <laughs> what you can do. So I don't know. I I think it depends on how comfortable you are and if when you're a writer you have a singular vision when yeah. you're a filmmaker you are bringing in the visions of Other all people. the yeah so i guess it's the difference between i don't know going to battle which would be like the movie director you're yeah. like all right i have my generals here 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 but when you're writing you're just driving alone <laughs> yeah <laughs> you go wherever you want to yeah. go so um which I think I I like, but I also really if I if it's gonna be a movie or something, I prefer writing with someone. Yeah, yeah, no. I don't. Well, and I guess that's where, um, like I was kind of saying earlier, I feel like a lot of people, you know, like I said, the joke is everybody's like, I'm doing this, but one day I want to direct, I want to direct, I want to direct. Um, and I think a lot of people just don't actually realize what directing actually looks like. Yeah. Um, when they say that, um, because it's completely different than what I thought. But then yeah. I found that I actually do like what it is. It's not what I thought it was going to be, but what the reality of it is, I actually enjoy as well. Yeah. Um, and for you, it sounds like it's a little bit different where you're like, yeah, I do want to direct. And then you 
saw more of what directing was, you're like, eh, I don't actually really want to do what I, what yeah. it is. I think if I were to direct, it'd be a Russo Brothers style. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd ever want to direct something on my own. I'd rather have you, like, co-directing with me. Yeah. Because I think you have way more insight and, like, knowledge on things that, like, you know, I'm a two, so I'm a helper. Yeah. And so with your vision, like, with your ability to carry out certain things, I think that would like the teamwork aspect. Yeah, so is. you hear that, Kyle? There is still an opportunity for you to do this for a living. Cub, help me. The so. LaBarge brothers. Doesn't roll off the tongue as well as Russo brothers. No, but, but it we'll make work. it. We'll shove it in there. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> or the Wachowskis. I mean, the Wachowski siblings, Starship, whatever they yeah, are Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so hard. They keep changing. Um, the, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess... Uh, for other people who might be thinking that they would enjoy directing one day, um, what about writing has answered like desires of yours or feel fulfilled desires of yours that you originally were hoping directing would answer? Yeah. Well, you just you get the blueprint of your story. You know, yeah. I think with directing, you're relying on so many people to get that vision done. When you write it, it's it's done. You have it. It's, yeah, it's there you. in your hand. And so having that like full control of the, like the creative story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and really that world building. And yeah, you exactly. can say this is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the and world building have, is a great example. And you don't have the art director yeah. being like, uh, "We can't afford that location." <laughs> yeah, what you're what you're writing is an impos- is impossible. Yeah. yeah, and you can do it at your own time. Whereas like a directing, like you are, it is like go time. Yeah, you've got it. Like you know me. If my gas tank on my car is half, I got to fill it up. My yeah. tires are looking a little low. I got to go fill them up. You yeah. know, like there's, there's, I am at all costs, full energy at my level, whatever is safest. And writing is very safe. Yeah. In the sense of no one's pu- pressuring me to get a book done or anything. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if I were to get a publisher one day or something, yeah. it would. But for the most part, you just do it when you need to, when you yeah. feel inspired to. I yeah. think so many people are like that in life, and they're just like, oh, yeah, I'll go direct when I'm inspired to go direct. And it's like, no, you really, if you're going to be a director, you have to be like 100% in. You have to be willing to wait for 10 minutes until your <laughs> yeah. movie goes on to be okay and biting your nails. And yeah. you, I just, I'm not stressed out. You know, I, stress and all that stuff has never been my thing yeah and so uh if i could somehow get a well controlled environment or if i could have the luxury of being those directors who are like i'm gonna take my time yeah that would be the ideal yeah, situation right. yeah <laughs> but the, the well-budgeted well-financed yeah director. the nolan who can be like i'm gonna make a movie every two years because that's how i set my life up yeah and, you know or but they they earned it they made yeah. it and so yeah I don't know. I just yeah. that's hard. Right. No, for sure. Yeah, it's hard to get that kind of success without doing the earlier grind. Yeah. Uh, first. Yeah, and I for me, it's I actually. Uh, I mean, I complain about the stress just like anybody does, but but I love that that stressful experience because then when at the end of the day you did get it all. Yeah. You feel like wow, yeah. I just like overcame all that stuff, you know. Um, and when I, and I think that's one of the things I like about directing is that like problem solving 
and it's like all these direct, you know, all the heads of the departments are throwing their problems at you. Yeah. And and obviously the producer and the AD are also supposed to help with that. But there's a certain element that like that still like rests on the director's shoulders. Yeah. And being like, okay, I got to figure out how to make all this work and solve this. And I need to do it 10 minutes ago. Yeah. You know, and that like quick thinking. Um, and then being able to be like, at the end of the day, you got the footage and it works and it looks good. Um, that's the part where you're like, yeah. Yeah. Like mother effort. I did that. <laughs> you know, like that yeah. was me, you yeah. know, um, and that kind of sense of accomplishment of like overcoming all of that is one of the things that I really love about directing. Yeah. And it's not, like I said, I didn't have that with student films because we did have all the time in the world yeah. and it didn't, we didn't even know what shots we were supposed to be getting half the time. So yeah. we didn't, you know, but now knowing what high quality production looks like and what it demands and requires, there's something about overcoming those challenges on a daily basis but then you're like, you just feel like a rock star. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, and we've been on sets of big shows where I don't know. I for me, you know me, I'm very much if I enjoy the people I'm around, I'm gonna really enjoy it. Yeah, and there's been times where like you're around the producers and you can just tell they love the smell of their own farts or yeah, um, or the really hard workers who are just not getting treated very well, you right. know, but they're trying their best to work so hard while the producer's on their phone over there not even caring yeah. about what's being filmed. They just care that they are sitting in that chair. Yeah. And I, it's just like a toxic environment where I'm alone in a writing room. Yeah. I just have to care about my own ego. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I um, And I do like the unbridled creativity that writing allows. Yeah. Um, I think... Um, um, if I had the opportunity to work in a writer's room on like a TV show, I think that would be a blast, like That'd a comedy amazing. show. Yeah. Um, that's something that I would be like, if somebody offered that for me, I'd be like, I will change my current life plans yeah. to like go be a part of a show like that just because I think it'd be such a cool experience to sit around a room of eight people that are like us yeah. who are just pitching ideas and throwing things out. And, and there'd still be some of that like stress and chaos of like, okay, now I got to write this episode before tomorrow. Yeah. I got to crank this thing out whether I'm feeling writer's block or not, but it still seems like it would just be a lot of fun. Yeah. Because it's you don't have everybody there telling you what isn't feasible. Yeah. You just get to write. Yeah. You know? Yeah, especially like a really good writer's room and they're just having fun. And yeah. They're like, all right, here's the premise of the whole episode. Let's do some funny jokes. Let's, yeah. You know, let's yeah, exactly. really get the- What's some situational comedy that yeah. the narrative can take them through? Yeah. What's some quick one-liners, you yeah. know? And I've heard that um, in writers' rooms, there's people that like they get more like the structure side of it and the storytelling part, and they're more like the storyteller, filmmaker, uh, writer. And then there's more just like the jokes writer, yeah, who you know just throws in the little they can punch up jokes really, really well, and that's what they're good at. Um, and I think that just like as long I'm sure there'd be egos. That's obviously the one bad thing with any creative room and creative collaboration is there are always egos that you have to deal with, but. If you could be in an egoless room, yeah. egoless room, and like everybody's just like genuinely, what about this idea? Yeah, nah, that's not a good idea. That's not good. and then somebody's like, but we could do this with your idea. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, good, yeah. good. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. You yeah. know, that's that's what's fun. That's what goes yeah. back to that yeah. high school, college yeah. filmmaking, where everybody's just pitching in and yeah. nobody cares and you're just having fun. It, it really is amazing that moment. I remember just the genuine. From going full circle here, going from being that invisible kid in the corner who no one cared about, and then all of a sudden you have an idea about something that you're passionate about, and, like, everyone 
is on board for it. Yeah. Did you watch the AP bio last two episodes? No. Uh, well, there's there's a. I didn't even realize it was back. Yeah. Didn't it go on a little hiatus for a second? It it, it did. It's back. It's okay. the last two episodes. <sighs> so sad. Um. Well, I mean, they're trying to get it saved. It was it was trending for a while. But anyways, they have like a kid who kind of the invisible one, and he writes a play. Oh, nice. And they do a really good job of like. Glenn Howerton's character like supporting it and then like everyone getting involved. I was like, yeah, like that is the thing. It's going invisible and then all of a sudden something that you, that invisible kid, brings everyone in that room together and say, This excites us. Like that you see you feel seen. You feel yeah. heard. You feel important. Yeah. And it just makes it all worth it. And the shared community it's when someone like tries to derail it or but you know, that's yeah. kind of when it sucks a little bit. But for the most part, most people are like, this is your idea. We're here to support you and to, like, bring this together. And and that's only real way you can grow my sessions yeah. is though those two friends of mine left <laughs> on the shoot. It really did. Like, when they left, that was kind of it for the friendship. It was weird. Like, I just never really talked to them again. Yeah. Um. I mean, I talked to them a little bit, but it just, it's weird. They make that choice. And they couldn't grow mustaches they to couldn't. this day. Everyone else who stayed, though, like, I just saw them a couple of weeks ago, yeah. you know, and you just, it's such a team effort, and when they say, when are we doing this next? Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, it's great to hear your origin story. Yeah. It's great to hear your origin story. We'll work on our super suits. That's right. You need to uh, remake that- uh... Finding Fats. <laughs> No. no, I was gonna say the 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 room that your dad had the, the oh, studio, yeah, like the, the little, basement. Yeah, yeah, it was you know nice. I mean? It was cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in a way, we have big TVs now, and you know. <laughs> but the surround sound was nice. Surround sound is nice. Yeah. yeah, if only I knew somebody who knew some surround uh, sound. I don't know. Oh well, well, we appreciate everyone listening to us. We have uh, appreciated the support and the feedback for the last couple episodes. Um, Continue to tell friends word of mouth. The the more you guys help us grow, the 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 better the podcast, and more likely it can continue. And so, uh, rate us on iTunes. Leave a review. I like jumping on there and looking at the reviews. It's fun. I've had a couple good ones so far. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about how sexy Todd's voice is. Uh, how how I probably have like a like a septum problem in my nose. I you just, talk through my nose. You just have a, a sinus yeah. doctor who's like writing and prescribing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Todd has a tumor in his nose. <laughs> that you does should, not sound Todd, right. we would like for you to go and get this examination and maybe look at this <laughs> these sprays. Yeah, I was just gonna say, Ali and I started watching Chernobyl last night. So good. Oh man, we're two episodes in. That is creepy. When they look at the core reactor the first time, and uh-huh. you just see it, it's truly horrifying. Yes, I was like, and like the soldier has the gun on the roof, and it's like I haven't point. seen, I haven't seen that yet. I just saw. Uh, no, that's at the end of the first episode when they force that guy oh, to go yeah, yeah, look and down. His face is all red. Yeah, and and then he's like walking, and there's that that soldier with a a gun. And he's like, basically, like, if he doesn't do it, he's gonna get yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude, that guy is like, and that's well, you haven't seen it yet, but later they have to clean all the stuff off the roof, and they're like uh, saying that they can only be on there for a minute and for ninety seconds for their entire life because there's so much radiation on it. Oh my! And God. that's the roof that he walks out on. We just we ended it where all the guys went the town into the water and it goes dark. Oh. It's, it's so so like, it's supposedly horrifying. the highest rated. Anybody who's watching 
listening should go watch it. Yeah. It's not it doesn't have any unlike most HBO stuff, it yeah, actually is it's, clean. It's really clean. It's, when it comes to its vulgarity or, yeah. or its, you know, uh, nudity and stuff like that, it's very clean. So It's scary though. Uh, but yeah, it's great. And obviously, uh, so he has a podcast too that I've been listening to. You got to go I gotta listen, listen to it. That, yeah. And he goes through each episode and says like what's true and what's not. And it's basically all true. Oh, and so, you, he, yeah, yeah. He's like. When you like, see him two years or like earlier, like from yeah. that beginning episode. And then it's like two years. And he looks so much younger. He's yeah. like. <gasps> yeah. <sighs> um, it's just, it's nuts, man. Well, when and, he tells Sky Sky, he's like, we'll be dead in five years. It's like. Yeah. And the guy's like. Okay. Yeah. Well, he just like yeah is like processing it. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um. The uh, it I saw an article this morning. It is now the highest rated TV show on IMD IMBD. Oh I, really? I, yeah. I am. Is it like a solid ten at this point? It's like a nine point eight or something like that. Wow. Something like that. And so it's higher than Breaking Bad. Yeah. Because Breaking Bad, uh, there was a GIF where it showed Breaking Bad in the final like score beat. Game of Thrones, and it's Walt being like, "I won." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so. higher than I. I believe and it's also a mini series, so I mean, yeah, you can't really rate it. But uh, yeah. man, it's it's so well done, and it is like messes with me to my core. Like it is crazy. Like when he's yeah. just describing, it and you're just looking at the town, and it's just like little things, like yeah, Germany, or they're not letting the kids play outside. And then it, the camera pans yeah. down. And yeah, and like what, like Sweden or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Sweden. They're not letting the kids yeah. play outside, and it was like Chernobyl. Like, the kids are playing outside. Yeah, or that first one when they're like seeing all the ash, and they're all standing on the bridge, and oh they're like, and it's like falling, and the kids are like running through it like snow, and you're like, that's radioactive yeah. particles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should not. Yeah. <laughs> and then all those people are in the hospital yeah. in the next scene, and you're just like, oh, yeah. yes. The the fireman picks up the graphite. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, truly gut wrenchingly terror because yeah. you're like this is this is a real thing that happened yeah. and it could happen again. Yeah. Well, and it, I mean it didn't happen to that level but like Fukushima or whatever yeah. the one in Japan. Yeah. It just happened. went into our water supply. <laughs> yeah. But like that one, I mean same kind of thing yeah. where it's like, you know. Yeah. No, nah, it's uh, great great series. Check, check it, it out. out. Yeah, if you have HBO, check it out. I don't think it's a bingeable show because we watched two back to back and we had to stop and we had to watch like comedy because it was just like so depressing. Yeah, it's horrifying too. I mean, I'm telling you, the genuine reaction I had when they open that door and they go in and it's just the pure reactor open yeah. and they're standing there and they come out and they're all like red. Yeah, and the guys, it's just. I was just like, I was like, oh, it's just the sound they had, yeah. everything, it's yeah, massively done, yeah, truly, yeah. You should definitely listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. it's just Chernobyl podcast. Yeah, yeah. um, but I yeah, can, I can see why Russia. Apparently, like Russia is very, very mad that it came out. Well, I can see that too. Yeah, but at the same hand, it's like, I mean, yeah, it. I can see why Russia is mad because they're Russia. Yeah, they're trying to disavow everything. But it's also kind of like Russia is like nobody's blaming you for that anymore. I mean, that whole first episode, everyone literally is like, "Explain to me how the reactor exploded." You know, everyone. Yeah, yeah just but being I'm like, saying like that yeah. that that version of Russia yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. I do know? find it funny that all the actors speak like British. <laughs> so he actually talked about that in the podcast. Yeah. And he was saying that he thought about having everybody do Russian accents, but he's like, the problem with Russian accents is that they're the most mocked accent yeah. in yeah. American yeah. television and movies. 
And he's like, I didn't want everybody all of a sudden to do these Russian accents that don't sound yeah. good yeah. and don't sound like good accents. And so I guess he had seen some other miniseries where it was, took place in a different country and everybody spoke English, but then they spoke with all these different accents. And he's like, at first it's kind of weird, but then you just sort of forget about it and you just get focused yeah. on the story. Yeah. And he's like, I'd rather it be that than they get distracted by cheesy. That's actually what I told you know? Allie. That's why why I said I was because I was like, it's funny that everyone's doing British, but they probably were like, Russian is just you just get kind of tired. I don't know. Well, just, and it, well, it becomes the Rocky and Bullwinkle, right. whatever that Boris and yeah, you know, it's like it just becomes very yeah. cheesy. You know, yeah. almost to a certain degree, you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever. they don't want to take away from the core story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's a really good like they talked about like. They were hardcore, the production designer, the director, and the DP were hardcore, and the showrunner, uh, were hardcore about getting it exactly like like everything, yeah. like in the period piece, like exactly the same. So they, they're like, the good thing about Cold War Russia was the fact that like they didn't have multiple companies making miner hats. Yeah. They had one miner's hat, yeah. or they had one outfit that everybody wore in the in the you know, yeah. power plants. Yeah. And so they're like, we just went and got like almost like the blueprints almost or like found – the verge, the examples of those, yeah. and then just replicated them, and it was like no matter where you were, that's what it was. Right. So they didn't have to worry about yeah. like, oh, this one's made by. Did they film in Chernobyl? They filmed in Ukraine. Okay. Well. Or no, no, sorry, that's, that's not true. They filmed in. Um, sorry, that is where Chernobyl yeah. is. They filmed in. Um, oh, he says it. It's like Scandinavia. Like, no, it's like to the east, west of Ukraine. Um, to Romania? I know, like, some of those places have, like, big tech. Paragol Park? No. I don't remember. He yeah. says it in the okay. podcast. I'll check it out. But, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to tell you that. It's it's really good. Yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, and so that that guy actually terrifying. is the one that then is the podcast host, co-host of Script Notes oh, that I listen to all okay. the time. Nice. Yeah, and so the other guy then wrote Aladdin. Oh, so it's like Chernobyl yeah. came out, and then I went and saw Aladdin, and I'm like, these are like the guys that yeah. I've sat and listened to That's for like cool. the last two years. That's and, cool. and I mean, they had written other stuff too, but it was just, it's really cool to be like a podcast that you've been listening to for years. Yeah. And he did like um, Scary Movie 2 yeah. and Scary Movie 3 and like a bunch of random comedies. Yeah. And like Chernobyl's like a, you know, not, like it's not like he's been doing that kind of work. And yeah. so I'm really... I'm really happy for him, even though I don't know him. Yeah. Like we've talked about before, listening yeah. to a podcast makes you feel like you're just sort of sitting in the room with him. Yeah. Um, so I'm really happy for him, Craig Mazin, that he's like getting all this like awesome success or all these like this praise and accolation for yeah. um, for Chernobyl because he's a cool guy, so he yeah. deserves it. That's great. All right. Well, from everyone here, let's do your red. We'll uh, talk to you next week. See ya. Bye. This has been a Studio Red production. For more, go to studioredmedia.com.